Welcome to Tea Time with Tiffany, a podcast about faith, books, and everything in between. You can read all of my writings about these same topics over at lifeofacatholiclibrarian.com. And welcome to week four of our Advent 2017 installments of Tea Time with Tiffany. I have really enjoyed doing these again. You know, it's a time factor, so I will miss doing them for a little while. But so this will be the last episode um, for the time being. I'll go back to weekly blog posts um, after the holidays, though. Um, I wonder if I'll post anything before. Yeah, I might try to do that. Um, and then I'll be back in January with, you know, weekly blog posts and but then around Lent, you know, I want to start planning for Lent. So have that on your mind as to what we'd like to do. Do we want to do a book club again? Um, it will be difficult for me to record because that'll still be during the semester, but it'll be Lent and I really want to make the time for that. So um, hmm. I guess our options are I could do tea time during Lent or I could do a special blog series during Lent. So let me know what you would prefer. Um, yeah, because it'll have to be one or the other. Definitely won't be able to be both. If we do tea time, then certainly we could incorporate in some kind of a Lenten devotional series, uh, book club as well, however we want to do it, which is kind of nice to have options. So let me know your thoughts on that. I know we talked about the Living Water book. Uh, maybe I'll post a poll about that. In January. Um, Ash Wednesday is Valentine's Day this year, so it's going to come up fast actually after the holidays. So yeah, that'll be something to look forward to um, whenever we want to plan together. So all right, so we're in Advent. This is a weird situation this year. So we are now in the third week of Advent, but the fourth week of Advent is essentially a day long, so not even barely. Um, so we've got this strange situation this year with the way that the dates fell that for the fourth Sunday of Advent Mass will be either the Vigil Mass Saturday night or Sunday morning Mass. And then Sunday evening, of course, will be Christmas Eve Vigil. And then Christmas Day is Monday. So it's kind of wacky. We're planning on going to Mass Vigil on the 23rd for the fourth Sunday of Advent and then going to Mass Christmas morning. We have a new tradition now in our family that we attend Mass Christmas morning and we haven't done Christmas Eve in several years. When I was growing up, with the exception of maybe one or two years, we always went to Christmas Eve Mass. And I do love that, but it is so crowded. I don't know, I maybe it depends. Um, on where you live geographically but around here it is just packed to the gills and it's you have to get there extremely early to get a seat and you get very uncomfortable um i have a bit of an anxiety issue with being around like in a packed space around a lot of people this is part of my problem with traveling by air which i'll come back to because i did that this weekend too so um, I don't like to be so crammed in, and it makes it hard for me to then enjoy the the feast, the big solemnity mass. And so, a few years ago, when it, well, more than a few years ago, when Anne was a baby, um, we went on Christmas Day because she was really cranky on Christmas Eve and wouldn't nap. And we just knew that if we went to mass, she would be miserable. So we thought, well, why don't we? Do, we're just going to go in the morning. And ever since then. 
we have loved Christmas morning mass. It's, it's so much less crowded. You can breathe. It just feels, um, it has that feeling of Christmas morning. It feels so special. Jesus is in the little manger scene. I just love it. And that has been our tradition. I know for a lot of families, Christmas Eve Mass or Christmas Eve uh, slash Christmas morning midnight Mass is a special tradition. So it just depends on your family. For us, this has evolved and we all really enjoy it, including Mike. Um, so we open presents in the morning and then and have breakfast and then we go to Mass, come back and um, relax a little bit more. And our Mass isn't until 11, so we have plenty of time in the morning to unwind, have coffee. We um, put on the papal Mass and open gifts and the kids can play for a little bit before we have to get ready to go to church and it's just really nice. So I'm looking forward to that coming up. Um, yeah, so I, you know, the holiday season, such a special time. So what else is there going on? I went and visited Christina this weekend. It was her birthday and we had a big birthday party for her. It was lovely. Um, we haven't seen each other in person about a year and a half. So this trip was a long time coming. I had been planning on going over the summer and my flight was canceled due to weather related reasons. And by the time they could get me back out, it would have just caught my trip really, really short. So we decided to just, you know, leave the ticket and wait for a different opportunity. And then with her birthday being this past weekend, we decided that was the right opportunity. So I flew out there. I get very nervous about traveling by air, but it went just fine. And we had a really nice time. We had lots of quality girl time to chat and I got to meet her dogs for the first time. <laughs> and she didn't have them the last time I was out there. And of course I got to see her husband and her kids and it was such a lovely experience. So we're talking about trying to plan a family trip. Um, her husband and children are so lovely and welcoming and wonderful. Her husband planned just such a nice party for her, did the cooking, did all the cleaning up, was getting everybody drinks, making sure everybody was taken care of, was a just spectacular host. So I just can't say enough good things about um, the nice time that I had. And, um, you know, our kids are similar ages, so I know they're anxious to get together again so that they can hang out. So we have lots to look forward to. It, was, it wasn't a, a very long trip. It was Friday to Sunday. But it worked out well with the party. And, um, yeah, so I, I think it worked out well. If we go as a family, we'll drive and we'll probably stay a little bit longer and hoping to plan that. So that was just so, so nice. So it was just, I'm just still a glow. Um, other things going on. Um, I've got lots of dance stuff coming up, so um, I now have two gigs on New Year's Eve. So this is a first. I'm very excited, actually. Uh, I'm not as nervous. I'm sure I will be nervous, but last year I was a total basket case leading up to New, York, uh, to New Year's Eve. I had um, a gig at one restaurant, three sets, with um, my dance instructor, the leader of uh, the troupe that I'm in. Uh, so we were together, which is a spectacular, um, and we each did three sets, traded off. I had an outstanding experience, and after that, I um, had several other gigs in the summer. So I had one at a restaurant, a party, um, then there was the infamous Hawaiian gig that um, never ended up going off, but um, but it all of it boosted my confidence a little bit because... I have more experience. So now going into this, um, I've got three sets, same thing with Claire. 
um, at a restaurant and then we're going together to a second restaurant and we're each doing a set there. So yeah, it's, um, I'm not as nervous, which is a good feeling. Sword is going to be heavily involved. He's always in demand. Um, so I'll be practicing with him a little bit. I've been trying to pick music and get myself all organized, but I'm really looking forward to it and hopefully it'll go well because, you know, you just never know, just depending on uh, different factors at play, <laughs> um, the audience and all that, it can play a big role. So I'm just glad to have more experience this year because there is just no substitute for that in terms of your confidence and that really helps to keep the uh, nerves somewhat at bay. I think it's actually a good thing as a performer to still always be nervous before you perform to some degree because it means that you care, that you always want to put your best foot forward and give the best performance that you can. And I am always nervous right before I perform, but it's nice this year to not be, I was just like my heart was in my throat for the entire month of December because it was just so new to me. Um, last year. So now having a little bit of experience, it's good to not be as anxious about the different dynamics. I have been through it a couple times already, so that's a good thing. So I'm excited about that. Um, still lots of planning, lots of costume planning I've got to do. I just had to order a hot glue gun. I have to do some um, bead repair on one of them, get those all set, get my music set, get props set. So it'll be a good time, I am sure. And I will blog about it in the new year. All right, so that's what's going on. Um, we will be pl making plans for the blog in the new year, for tea time in the new year, for book clubs in the new year, and I can't wait for all of it. So definitely leave me comments about what you would like to see in 2018 in terms of all of those things, and we will make it happen. So good stuff. All right, so the final installment of our Advent book club, so the Christmas quilt. I have a link in the show notes to, I had put a bunch of information in last week's show notes about the chronology of this Elm Creek quilt series, which I was just totally fascinated by. Um, and I ended up downloading a couple of other books. There was one of the books was on sale for $1.99. I put that on Twitter and in Facebook and the group. I think it was called The Quilter's Holiday. And then I ended up purchasing the New Year's quilt for my Kindle because I really want to read that too. It's not chronologically, so then seeing the list, and I have another link back to the list if you'd like to look at it this week. Um, it, it falls later in the series. So I started reading it and I, raw, uh, spoiler, which I'm not going to say, but it, I had completely forgotten a huge plot point that as soon as I started reading the book, I thought, oh my gosh, that's right. I totally forgot about that. Um, and if I had started from the beginning of the series, working my way through, I would have built up to that without knowing that like I do now, but that's okay. I don't mind. I, cause I read most of the series before anyway, so I got to experience it back then. And uh, the Christmas quilt, if you look at that list, falls chronologically as the second book in the series. So if you do want to read the series, Read the Quilter's Apprentice will be like a prequel for you to the Christmas quilt. That's book one. And then you can just pick up, I believe, book. the next book is called Round Robin. Um, that's technically book two as labeled in the series, but the Christmas quilt she wrote later. And then in terms of time, inserts between the Quilter's Apprentice and Round Robin. So what's nice is that in the show notes last week and then the link I have this week to the author's webpage, it has two lists. One is the book in the order that she wrote them, and that's the order that I generally read them in. Although I didn't read some of the books at the end. I lost track of where I left off. 
but I read 90% of the series. And then she also has a second list that has them listed chronologically in terms of the developments for the characters. So if you want to read it that way, that's another option for you. Super interesting. So that Quilter's Holiday, I believe, falls somewhere in the middle, but it was on sale for $1.99 for Kindle, so I figure I'll just pick it up now. New Year's Quilt definitely falls more, not towards the end, but definitely past halfway. But, uh, so you'll definitely, if you start to read that, because so Kevin and I were talking about this on Twitter, you're going to find out something pretty quickly in the New Year's Quilt about a major development that happens in the life of the characters. So it depends on whether you want to wait and just build up to that, read the other books first, or whether you don't mind reading them out of order. So I think you can't go wrong. You can read any of these out of order and still be able to keep up with what's going on. I know Beth Ann mentioned that she's really interested in the historical installments, so she may go back and read the historical books. I think you can, there are so many options with this series, which is one thing I really like about it. And I have so enjoyed having my fervor for this series revived with all of you and to feel re-inspired to go back to these books and maybe finish the series. It has been a wonderful experience, so thank you for that. So this week we are reading, or have read, chapters four and five, and that's the end of the Christmas quilt. Not a very long book, but I think jam-packed of good stuff. So our theme for this week, themes, love and loyalty tradition and faith. That's what I came up with. After I took these notes right after I read it. There was a lot of information in here. The story really advances quite a bit and there's a lot of emotional impact as well in terms of resolving some of these mysteries that we were wondering about. So in terms of the story, um, so of course tons of spoilers. If you, if you haven't read these two chapters, definitely go and read them before you listen any further. So we advance quite a bit in time and Claudia, because last we saw them, Claudia and Sylvia in chapter three, they were teenagers, I think 14 and 16. Now they are young adults in their 20s, I believe. And um, Sylvia has married. She is married to a man, I believe his name is James. And Claudia has a beau and they've been together for a number of years, but they have not married yet. And his name is Harold. So around this time, you know, the war is now picking up, so we're in the 40s. And Sylvia is so worried about her new husband um, enlisting. And so early on in, in this chapter, in chapter four, they go and do the tradition, they're being the you know, newlyweds in the family, they go and pick out the tree, and she wants him to promise that he will not enlist. And he really can't promise her that because you know, he knows that he may have to. And it's a very emotional scene between the two of them. There was something, I was confused about the tree. I don't know if anybody else felt this way, but it was something about this huge, huge tree that she felt was just this perfect tree, and but it was too big, it was too tall, even for their big ballroom. And so he cut off part of the tree, like the top of it. I was confused about how that was possible. And then she was saying how the tree would just then continue to grow and could then be used again in the future. But I'm thinking if they chopped off the top of it, how would it ever form normal again at the top? I don't know, I had a hard time envisioning, but that's the impression that I got, that he just cut off like half of the tree or something, because he had to climb it. I don't get it. But at any rate, that comes back into play in chapter five, that tree. So um, eventually, as you could surmise, um, so how does this all happen? So Richard, remember their brother, he's away at school and he then reconnects with Andrew. So remember Andrew from chapter three was this boy from a family that we were fearing was possibly abusive. Um, 
they certainly, it was just the children did not have a lot. You know, they were going through a tough time during the Depression. And they had, the children had been taken away. Right? They had to go live with other relatives, and then they lost touch. So now Richard reconnects with Andrew at this boarding school that he wants to go to. So remember in the first chapter, in one of Sylvia's memories, she talks about how when they were making the quilt when her mother was expecting, Claudia chose this one quilt block called Wandering Foot, I believe. And Sylvia was scandalized because she superstitious. Uh, the superstition was that that meant that the person would always have this wanderlust and always, you know, just want to go away. And she didn't want that. And, she, you know, the way that she tells the story makes it seem like that came to pass. He always wanted to travel. And so he wants to go away to this boarding school in Philadelphia or something like that. They live in eastern Pennsylvania, I believe, is where Elm Creek is. And, or excuse me, western Pennsylvania. And then he goes to Philadelphia. So once he's there, he meets back up with Andrew, and which is lovely, right? So we get to see Andrew again. And Richard comes home for Christmas, I believe, or is this in the fall before Christmas? I don't remember, but I don't think it's really that important. But <laughs> Richard comes home and he has his girlfriend whose name is Agnes. And Sylvia does not like her. She feels like Agnes is very silly and flighty. And actually it's mentioned that she's Catholic, which I thought was interesting. Um, because yeah, she wants to go to midnight mass. So it must have been around Christmas that this all happened. So he comes back, but he has enlisted. And I want to say Sylvia tells us that he was really technically too young, but he lied about his age because he felt so strongly about enlisting. Andrew also enlists. And consequently, uh, James, Sylvia's new husband, and Harold, uh, Claudia's boyfriend, also enlist to try to protect the younger boys. So they can all be, because I think if they all enlisted together or was something like that, they could be to stay together in the same regiment or however you would say that. And of course, the women are devastated. Although, of course, in the back of their minds, they must understand why the men did this. I mean, just at the time, it was, you know. So they all go away together to train and then ultimately overseas. And so what happens here is that uh, Harold proposes to Claudia she wants to wait to get married until after he comes back. And and Sylvia and James are somewhat newlyweds. I think they've been married for a couple of years at this point. And now Richard has this girlfriend named Agnes, and before he goes, they get married. Okay, so Sylvia was not crazy about her, and now she's in the family. All right, so the guys go off, and the women are left behind. There's this important scene where Harold actually speaks to Sylvia and says, oh, could you tell Claudia to wait for me? And she said, well, what do you mean? You're engaged. And he said, well, she's a beautiful girl and, you know, she might be tempted or something like that. And Sylvia, I was impressed, all right? For the first time in all of this time, really, she comes and leaps to Claudia's defense and tells him that she's rather offended that he's insinuating this about her sister, that she would be unfaithful to her vow to him, that they're engaged. And uh, I thought, oh, this is interesting. This is a foreboding of something. Um, so I liked how Sylvia leapt to Claudia's defense. So then the women are left, and we have some loveliness here. So Claudia, excuse me, Sylvia begins to see people over time in a new light. So she softens a little bit towards her sister. Her sister's planning her wedding. They're all struggling. 
having their men away. Sylvia finds out she's pregnant and Claudia treats her very nicely, trying to keep her off her feet, trying to make things a little bit easier for her because now she's pregnant and not only that, but now her husband is not here and we don't know when he's coming back. So there's some softening between the sisters. Over time, Sylvia comes to see Agnes in a new light. She's like, you know, Agnes is really pitching in and she tries to learn how to make the strudel. And she is, Sylvia sees her as being very strong. She goes every week, I guess there's a theater that has the newsreel and she always wants to go. Agnes always wants to go so she can feel like she's a part of things. And even though it's painful to think about the men over there experiencing all that, she feels like it keeps them close to them and knowing what's going on and what can they do to help. And Sylvia really admires that about Agnes. So I want to say Christmas approaches again, but Sylvia is still pregnant. I don't remember how this all falls in time, but the women just really experience this awakening of sisterly bonds between the two sisters and then the sisters-in-law. And it's really, really nice. Um, so, okay, I'm looking at my notes here because so I don't forget anything. But I thought, you know, Sylvia is a person, in my opinion, who's very set in her ways. And I thought that it was really nice that she really opened her heart a little bit to start to see people differently when she noticed changes. Um, because it's easy to put people in a box and think that they can never change. And so I thought that was a very good sign. So ultimately, though, we have much sadness that comes our way, which I figured was going to be the case. So um, when they finally do get word James and Richard have not survived the war. So that is their younger brother, Agnes's husband, slash Agnes's husband, and Sylvia's husband. What happens is that when Sylvia finds out the news, she's so distraught, she delivers her baby premature. You know, she goes into early labor, and the baby does not make it. In the midst of all of this tragedy, her father passes away. You know, he's already lost his wife, you know, some years before, and now he's lost his son and his uh, son-in-law and his granddaughter. Devastating. I mean, I cried again, you know, reading this chapter. Very, very difficult to read. And we find out, so now we find out a couple of things. How does the rift come between Sylvia and Claudia? So Sylvia finds out from, because who does come back? Harold. Um, oh, I don't remember, but it doesn't matter. She finds out that um, Richard, I believe, was wounded and James was trying to save him and Harold did not come to their aid. It was Andrew. Wait, 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 wait. Now I'm getting everything all confused. James and Andrew. Andrew survives the war. Yes. Okay. So the friend of Richard. Yeah. So he comes back and he tells Sylvia that he witnessed this and he wasn't close enough to be able to help, but that um, James was trying to help uh, Richard and Harold was afraid and would not come to their aid and Andrew couldn't reach them in time and they both uh, came under mistaken friendly fire, I believe. Um, and so they both were killed. And so he now, you know, is like she noticed that he was kind of cold towards Harold. And so now 
Sylvia knows this and of course hates Harold <laughs> and she tells Claudia and Claudia still goes forward with marrying Harold and Sylvia sees that as the ultimate betrayal that Claudia would still marry him even knowing that he put himself ahead of their brother and Sylvia's husband and that is what caused the rift between the sisters Sylvia leaves Elm Creek Manor not to return for 50 years or however many years it was until Claudia passes away and she has to come back to deal with the estate so that's what happened like heavy heavy stuff so now we come back to the present Sylvia talks Sarah into going and visiting her mother with this powerful story she does and Sylvia is sort of alone with her memories of all of this and we see Agnes I was wondering what happened to her so she lives locally after her husband passed away some years later she did marry Mary she had a family and now and she was married I think they were married for a long long time and her husband died in older age but now she's a widow again she has children and grandchildren and they come over and visit Sylvia which was really lovely and they're reminiscing and Agnes I want to say holds a piece of the puzzle about Elizabeth because she had written to her about the strudel recipe and so, you know, Sylvia's trying to find Elizabeth and asks if she has the address, and she doesn't, but she had the letter. And so Sylvia's going to use it to try to still find Elizabeth. And so Agnes brought up, you know, she had these possessions, these things, reminders she had kept of Richard through all of these years. And it comes up to pass that Agnes has the star. And so the story behind the star is that Andrew, this left me a little confused. Tell me what you think. Andrew had the star. So that's the mystery being solved. And he gave it to Richard saying, oh, now you can be the hero. And the, but this was years later when they were at, at boarding school. You can be the hero and put the star on top of the tree. But they didn't explain why. I wonder if that comes out in another book, but that kind of bothered me because I'm thinking, all right, so is it that Andrew took the star and he wanted to either give it to his sister or he wanted to give it to Richard and then was afraid because he had, you know, his home was abusive, like maybe we were speculating maybe might be the case and he was afraid he would be punished, you know, like regretted, like, ooh, I probably shouldn't have done that, but if I reveal now that I took it, I'm going to be punished and I'm afraid because he was a child, a young child at the time. And then just hid it away. And so then and then when they were much older teenagers, gave it to Richard. Is that what happened? Or was it something else? I don't I don't know. And they don't in any way clarify that. So or I, I don't know. That kind of bothered me that that was not explained. Um, so so that was that. Um, so that's how, so that's how Agnes came to have the star because then Richard, it was in Richard's possessions and then it was her husband and when he passed. Um, so that's that. Um, so at the end of our book here, The Christmas Quilt, Sylvia's reflecting back on the pain. And so she ran away out of her, her pain, all of this loss. And now, all of these years later, she regrets that she didn't give her sister another chance. 
and she goes to Sylvia, excuse me, to Claudia's, I'm always like saying one's name, I guess, because they end in the IA. Um, she goes to Claudia's grave and visits with her, I believe leaves her some flowers and forgives her. That was, to me, that was a very emotional scene. And she really regrets that she did not do that while Claudia was still alive. Um, and she comes to see it as, all right, well, yes, I can't understand why Claudia still wanted to marry Harold, even after she knew this about him. But she had her own way of dealing with things, and it was different from my way. And maybe I should have been more understanding of that, if not in the heat of the moment, back when all of this trauma was still fresh. But about 50 years elapsed, and in that time, I could have reached out, and I didn't. And so... Sylvia really, really regrets that. So then we visit with Agnes a little bit, and it was interesting because Agnes still had a relationship with Claudia in the rest of her during the rest of her life after Sylvia left. So we had a little bit of an insight in there, which I thought was really nice. That you know she would come and visit with Claudia, and like, how was she doing? Um, and you know, it, it, my impression is that you know Claudia had it was okay. You know, she did marry Harold, and it's not that she was unhappy. But there was definitely a, a sense that she knew that she may have made the wrong decision. Um, so we get, we get a little bit of information about that. I think I'm forgetting a few little details in there because now I, fin I read the book so quickly I had to finish. It was, it was so good. Um, I finished it late last week. So there was a few other things in there about Claudia's life after because I, I believe they didn't have any children, her and Harold. Um, and so my impression that we get from Agnes is that Claudia was a little lonely, and then her relationship with her husband was a little bit strained as well. So that, and then she didn't have the family relationships, and so that was a really difficult cross for Claudia to bear um, in her adult years. So that's what we learn. So our themes again, love, loyalty, tradition, faith. So the sisters had really bonded and then they were torn apart by this tragedy. And Sylvia just had hardened her heart so much that she couldn't allow herself to be opened again. Because, like, the door was opened. You know, she had leapt to Claudia's defense. She was warming towards her sister. But then she just shut that door. And she is kicking herself for not ever reopening it in all of that time. So it was, I thought a really powerful book about relationships and feelings and about faith. And Sylvia mentions that at one point, that she wishes she had had more faith in her sister and in their ability to forge a relationship. Really good stuff. So I'm going to leave it there. I'd love to hear your comments um, about chapters four and five, about um, coming up in the new year, what you'd like to see, book club, blog, podcast. Um, and also, I'm going to leave a link in the show notes to um, the Kindle book of the New Year's Quilt. So if you're not going to read them in order and you want to read just another holiday edition, um, there's a link in there. I have started reading it. But like I said, if you start reading that book, you're going to get a major spoiler about Sylvia um, because that book comes later in the series. So it just depends on what you want to do. Um, but like I said, that Quilter's Holiday had been on sale. What I would advise if you want to read more of the books in the series is go on Amazon 
if you read on Kindle, I think this applies to print books as well, so whichever your format preference is, put them onto an Amazon shopping list, a private Amazon shopping list. And when the price drops, if they go on sale at any point, it puts it in bold. Amazon does and makes a note for you. So then you can go and download them as they go on sale which I think is kind of a nice idea, and just snag them that way. Um, but if you want to start reading them in order, I know my public library had The Quilter's Apprentice, both in print and as an ebook. so you might want to check your public library too. Go look at the list, decide what order you want to read them in, but The Quilter's Apprentice is first in both lists. That's the first book that she wrote in this series, the author, Jennifer Chevarini, and it's also the first book chronologically. So start there. See what your library has, put them on your Amazon list so you can see when the price drops and then scoop them up. Good stuff. I really enjoyed this. I know Kevin is going to be reading the New Year's quilt, so Kevin, let's talk. Um, and I look forward to seeing you all again in the new year, both here on the podcast and on the blog. Thank you so much for forming this community. I get way more comments on this blog now than I ever have. And uh, our Facebook group is lovely. Nice interaction over there and on Twitter. And it has just really brightened my life. It, the blog has really come together over the past three years or so. And um, I know that I know you out there by name now, and it's a lovely thing. Thank you for being there. Happy holidays. I may post again short a short post before Christmas. We'll see if I have time. Um, but definitely in the new year, I'll be back with you know longer endeavors, and we're all in this together. I'm looking forward to um, our collaboration coming up. I will talk to you soon. Leave me comments. I'll see you later. Bye.